So I have some fun news. I officially launched my own sex toy. Valesa and I made a gorgeous wand vibrator that works for all body types. It's called the Demi Wand. And so today I invited the incredible Shan Boudram, aka Shan Booty, to the show. She's a certified intimacy educator, author, and badass, breaking down the taboos around sex, pleasure, and a ton more. You can find the Demi Wand exclusively and discreetly at Balesa Boutique. Just head to DemiWand.com, but first stick around for our conversation so you can learn from my friend Shan. We'll even share a promo code at the end of the episode. This is 4G with Demi Lovato. Hello, what's up? <laughs> How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I brought I'm my good. friend. Uh, I brought mine too. There we go. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. How's it going? It's going well. Nice to meet you. Thank you so much for having me. It's a joy. Thank you for coming on here. I give um, all of my guests the opportunity to introduce themselves in whatever way they want, whether it's for you, best-selling author, or it's just daughter, or whatever it is. My name is Shan Boudram. I'm a certified intimacy expert who's passionate about sex, relationships, and attachments. And I have a podcast as well that's called Lovers and Friends. And I'm also a proud owner of The Wand. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) For those of you who are listening, watching, and who don't know what we're talking about, this is actually my wand this is my toy how good does that feel to say it feels so cool (laughs) it feels so cool to like have a box with my name on it it says demi wand like yeah fuck yeah i'm so stoked about this so today's episode i want to talk about just taking away the stigma of pleasure whether that's with yourself or with a partner can we talk about that a little bit I would love to talk about that. Um, Can we also talk more about the wand and how this came about? Because I know other people who have sex toy lines, which they repurpose other toys. And then they, you know, obviously put it out there in the world. You might be the first person that I know who exclusively has their own sex toy that they designed from start to finish, chose the color um, and had a really beautiful meaning behind why they chose this particular toy. So let's start with the interview with you. What? You have a wand? Huh? (laughs) Why? Where? I do. I have a wand and... um, I'm really excited about it because I want to take the stigma away as well. You know, I think that it's really important. I grew up in Texas where um, I I grew up in a very Christian home. And so sex was not something that we talked about very often at all. And um, neither was masturbation. And so I started getting older. I, um, you know, started exploring and I realized that there's nothing wrong with pleasure. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. And sometimes some of the best experiences I have are by myself. So, you know, that's all I got to (laughs) say. I love that concept. I was um, a guest on The View a few years ago and DJ Tanner, who's officially, I should actually get their official name, but um, one of the hosts on The View at the time was from Full House and they're a very conservative person. So I came on the show and they said, okay, what do you want to talk about? I said, I am here to advocate for pleasure. I want more women to embrace pleasure, to live a pleasure-filled life and to seek out pleasure as a part of their daily activities. Like it's important to incorporate ways where you feel good. And she said to me, I have a real problem with that. 
I am really bothered by the idea that women should just go out there and just like make a life of pleasure. They have responsibilities. We have people to look out for. We have children. We have things that need us. It's not just about going out there and enjoying yourself. And I was like, wow, why is it that this word can be so triggering for people, right? Because they interpret pleasure as selfishness and selfishness as not leading a fulfilling life where it truly is the opposite. You know, I'm a big fan of psychology. And so one of my favorite theories to cite is Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And it basically states that once all of your needs are met, only then can you start to look at the needs of others. You know, an empty cup can't pour. So the idea that pleasure makes you selfish or less of a good person or less of a good lover, I love that you are here to destigmatize that and combat that. And that's exactly why I do what I do for a living. Oh, that's awesome. You know, what's interesting is when I started my journey coming out as bisexual, now I have told the world that I identify as pansexual. um, Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. When I was, you know, starting to date women, I realized using toys with women is so normalized, Mm -hmm. but using toys with a male partner is... It's not normalized at all. And I I really want there, I want to break that stigma as well, because that really can take your sexual relationship to the next level. <laughs> so um, I just wanted to like make that a point too, is that women that are in heterosexual relationships, I, I've noticed that they tend to be a little bit more shy, or at least my experience is that I have been more shy when I've brought in toys into a heterosexual relationship. Yeah. And I think a lot of that stems from like the scripts that we get around what sex is. And especially if you watch mainstream porn, that's really advocated that like the penis is the savior of the day. Like the penis (laughs) is the starring role. It saves, you know, people from burning buildings. It gives women (laughs) 50,000 orgasms. The penis, you know, when sex begins when it gets hard and sex ends when it gets soft. And so when you have that kind of pressure on your body to be the starring role, if anything else comes into the picture, you start to wonder like, well, am I a good sexual partner? What does this mean? Because everything that I've ever seen before says that I'm supposed to be not just enough, but everything in this experience. And so I think that the work that you're doing in destigmatizing benefits everybody because I wouldn't want that kind of pressure, right? Like that kind of societal pressure that's placed on people with penises um, to provide all the pleasure from a body part that may or may not work sometimes or may not last for as long as somebody wants it to or doesn't vibrate or doesn't curve a certain way. You know, the idea that there's multiple ways and that we're all in this, all hands and toys on deck to bring pleasure to all bodies involved. And it doesn't have to include one particular star. I think that's a future that's better for everybody. I also just want to go off on a tangent with you about this being such a really great product and the color choice and about being inclusivity. So I don't know if you know this when you picked the wand, you probably did. But um, so last year during the pandemic, more people bought sex toys than ever before. And as a result, there was all this articles and all these reviews around sex toys. And the New York Times said that the number one sex toy for all bodies is the wand. Now, I'm going to say not this particular wand, but the wand in general, um, which is a more expensive product, which is a lot larger. So this is actually a really great option because it's compact. It's smaller. It's not as intimidating to bring into the bedroom. But wands in general. It also has an adorable case. Oh, my gosh. Please say the case. you don't have to worry about it. (laughs) Please say the case. Um, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
It's adorable and it's discreet. Like I do love yes. that this is so inclusive. Whether you are a seasoned sex toy user and owner or you are somebody who's new, this to me is not intimidating. I always try and think about that. Like I think we all have that fear of our grandma or a mom or maybe a school teacher <laughs> for some reason yes. coming over and then finding a sex toy and being like oh my gosh and yeah. this is one of those things you could have on the coffee table and people wouldn't know so I love <laughs> you really did take inclusivity all around it is for all bodies it does feel like it's welcoming in terms of like the packaging and the look of it and it also feels again no matter where you are and your comfort level with sex toys this is not intimidating to bring into the bedroom yes and it's literally for everyone you know, that's what that's what I love about that. The reason why I picked this color was because it's gender neutral. You know, there's not like uh, I didn't want a pink toy for just for women. I didn't want a blue toy just for dudes. I wanted something that everyone can use, whether they are female assigned at birth or not. And, um, you know, I'm non-binary and this is my wand. So why do you think that sexual wellness has been overlooked when we live in a society that is so focused on our regular wellness? Why do you think our sexual wellness is overlooked? It makes people uncomfortable to talk about sex. That's why, right? So wellness is supposed to make you feel good, right? Like when we talk about wellness and meditation and relaxation and self-care and self-love, we're all like, yes, yes, yes. I like spas. And I like oatmeal baths. I like these things. And if you say, I like sex, you're looking around to see who heard you say that. It automatically makes us feel uncomfortable. And for the reason that you just said, you know, we grow up in a very repressive society and repressive cultures. And especially if you grew up with, you know, a religious foundation as I did, I went to, I went to a Catholic school growing up. So destigmatizing sex was, is a lifelong journey for me because of all the programming that I received. So it actually only happened in the past few years that like sexual wellness became a part of the wellness umbrella. And now you have these multi-billion dollar conferences that go on where sex is now a part of the conversation. Conversation. Um, even in terms of like sex and tech, one of the biggest conferences in the world a few years ago said you cannot talk about technology as it pertains to sex. And that's changed in the past couple of years. So in our generation, we've done such great work in saying like, no, this is a part of a healthy, happy, connected life. And on top of that, if you've ever read the benefits that orgasm gives your body, you would definitely give any priest who says that this is negative a run for their money. Yes, absolutely. The reason I got involved in this work to begin with is because I saw that when I started prioritizing not just good sex, but good intimacy overall, like when intimacy became a thing that I cared about, the way some people care about their, you know, their skin or their weight, like other parts or their mental health. When I started making this the focal point of my wellness, I saw every area of my life drastically improve, you know, from my career to my family relationships, obviously my orgasms, but it was such an aha moment for me that like, wow, here's this area that most people think is supposed to be on autopilot. And if you have to research it and learn about it, that means something's wrong with you. Um, but here's this area that a lot of people are too afraid to look at. And when I really gave myself the benefit of not just looking at it, but diving into it, everything bloomed around me. So I really want for more people to also have that same opportunity to say, yeah, what does wellness look like when I include sexual wellness as a part of the yeah. definition? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with the way with with um the way things are worded. I think that sometimes people can be intimidated. What does a healthy sexual vocabulary sound like? Oh, uh, it sounds like words that make you 
intrigued, fascinated, excited, warm. Um, those words, you know, that's different for every single person, right? Like I'm going to say words to you that turn me on that you're like, bitch, please leave the room immediately. Um, right. Or I'll say words that are like, yeah, like more of that. So you don't know the answer to that question. So you start actually exposing yourself to those words. I often have this conversation with people when it comes to dirty talk, where they're like, I hate dirty talk. I don't like it. It's a turn off for me. You're like, okay, well, if dirty talk is a language, you just think about it. It's not like it's 10 words. There's like an entire library of words and descriptors or activities that might get you hot. And just because the first 20 that you've been introduced to didn't do it for you doesn't mean there aren't more out there. I think for a long time, we've existed in a world that's tried to give this like one size fits all approach to sex, like the cosmopolitan articles, like five ways to have the best sex ever, three yeah. toys that'll change your life, you know, two words that are gonna get you hot in the bedroom. And then if you don't fit into those, you know, top five lists, you're like, I guess I don't like sex. I guess I don't like this. And it's like, no, what we're trying to tell you is that just like there's a billion different ways to seek out mental wellness and a billion different ways to seek out physical wellness, sexual wellness. Also, there's tons of options within this area. You just have to kind of get started in the conversation, you know, buy some great entry level toys, see what you like, and then keep exploring from there. So much of our sexual education is learned from the media. What do you want to tell my listeners? Like, are there maybe three things that they should know that they don't? Top three ways <laughs> to get off right now. Um, we can definitely do that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it does sound like a cosmopolitan headline. I would say, <laughs> um, I would say three things to know right now. Number one, I think is my favorite is to steal this from kink culture and kink is essentially anything that's not like normalized right now. And that changes every year, right? When 50 Shades of Grey came out, all of a sudden BDSM was like not that freaky anymore. Kinky became normalized because it was in pop culture. But so kink is whatever we don't consider vanilla. But within kink culture, which is really cool, is everything is a no until you get a yes. And you'll find that in vanilla culture, everything is a yes until you get a no. So we're constantly pushing the boundaries to see what we can get away with with our partners until that person says no, as opposed to approaching it like, what do you like, Demi? Like, mm -hmm. what turns you on? Like, I'm looking, I'm, I'm assuming that you don't like anything until you tell mm -hmm. me differently. So I'm leading with curiosity. So give yourself the benefit of adopting that. Like, everything in your sex life is a no until it's a yes. And you don't know until you ask the questions and you explore more. That's a really big one. Um, number two, I would say that there's so many ways to experience pleasure. Um, one of my favorite definitions of orgasms is that an orgasm is a sudden release of sexual tension. So some people like to deform, define orgasms by like ejaculation or by a feeling or an emotion um, or by like contractions of your genital area. No, it just has to be, you felt really horny and then all of a sudden you don't anymore. For some people that's really pleasurable. For some people it's just relaxing. So by that definition, a lot more people can say they've had an orgasm before. Um, also like nipplegasms are a real thing. <laughs> you know, nipplegasms and analgasms, there's snorgasms, there's corgasms. Like, oh, uh, a nocturnal orgasm. Oh, yeah. You ever had an orgasm before in your sleep? Oh, my God. Okay, so you I had a snorgasm. Heard, uh, I always, I knew a different word for that. <laughs> I, I just, I, oh, I, tell me. I, just thought it was a wet I love to learn. <laughs> so. Yes. Oh. Yes. 
<laughs> but wet dream usually like is indicative right. for people who like ejaculate okay. because then it's like, oh, it's wet. But then first of all, a lot of, you know, men who have orgasms in their sleep, they shoot blanks. They don't even have ejaculate. So snorgasm is like the all encompassing word for everybody who orgasms that. during and their then sleep. What is a corgasm? So a lot of your, your pelvic floor area, which the strength of your pelvic floor, which is probably the third thing I would say to people, um, you know, strengthen your pelvic floor and, and work on that area. But a lot of, of the, your pelvic floor area is attached to like a lot of your abdominal muscles. So some people are able to experience orgasms from doing like core workouts, which those people must have incredible six packs. Or um, I'm not a part I've of that group, but sounds nice. When I've been doing cardio, have you ever heard of that? Oh, yeah, like, yes, like a runner's like, high where you work out so hard to the point where like you almost. Yeah, <laughs> you you almost. <laughs> Demi, I, we need a word for like this a now. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Joggasm. Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> well, what <laughs> advice would you give to listeners who have never used a toy vibrator or device? Honest to goodness, unbiased, I'm not kissing ass advice is go get yourself the Demi wand. Um, this, again, like I said, going back to that article from the New York Times, they um, scanned and analyzed thousands of toys and they found that the wand was really and truly the best when it came to uh, effectiveness and then also usefulness. You can use this on the the gooch or the perineum or the taint, which is the area, if you, if you have a penis, the area between your nutsack and your butthole, um, this can be an incredible toy for that area. You can use it lightly on the testicles as well too. You know, if you have a vulva, you can use it, of course, on the clitoris. You can use it on the mons pubis. You could use it on the opening of your vagina. You can use it on your nipples. So finding a toy that is all encompassing because you don't, if you never had a sex toy before, you might not know what works for you. So start with something that's a catch-all and then build from there. You know, find that like, oh, I love it against my nipples, but I think I would like more pressure and then get nipple clamps and then use nipple clamps and this on your, you know, mons at the same time. So starting off with something that you can use on all body parts and then figure out which gets the best reaction for you and then you can invest you know in toys that really localize that area how does sexual wellness inform our emotional toolkits as a whole oh i love that question i've never been asked that before when i hear that question what i think i think of is when we have great sex and know how to have great sex, we know how to prioritize ourselves. The thing that I love about sex is you don't have to do it for any other reason other than you, right? Like there's no guarantee that having sex is gonna make your relationship better. Uh, we know it's not gonna make it, it, it has no guarantee in that way or that it's going to lead to more money or more access or anything else. And so the true only reason to have sex is because you know you're going to like and enjoy it. I think in a world where we have to do so many things because we don't wanna do to get what we actually do want, um, sex is the thing we don't have to put in that bucket. Do it for you. And if it's not for you, don't bother. It's all good. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about it. Um, we definitely don't need you to have any more babies if you don't want to. We're all good <laughs> yeah. on the population front. So that air, that self-centeredness, and I, I say self-fullness and self-centeredness, not selfishness, I think is really important. And that can use utilize that in other areas of your life to say, wow, if I center myself in sex, what would happen if I centered myself in other areas of life? I also think that the emphasis on consent and boundaries that happens in sex is, again, information that you can utilize in your emotional toolkit to empower other areas of your life. And just the concept of pleasure overall. 
Like one of the most incredible books I read was just talking about like, yo, if you're in the lineup at the DMV and you're getting frustrated as hell, what's so wrong with like taking your hand and then just lightly rubbing mm. your own arm? If that brings you joy <laughs> or twerking, you know, if giving that little bit of extra stimulation makes you feel happy, like constantly seeking out pleasure in everything that you're doing to enhance your experience. And again, like if you start with sex and then allow that to radiate out um, to the rest of other parts of your life, like I said, like it can improve every area. I also want to touch on vulnerability because when you are able to mm-hmm. either be intimate with yourself or with other people, you are being vulnerable. And I think that that anytime that you're able to access your vulnerability, you are building that emotional muscle and you're, you're working on your yes. emotional needs as well. But I love what you said. I think putting yourself first and you know, having um, sexual autonomy to make your own decisions and have your voice be heard like that. That's beautiful. I love the uh, concept of letting sex be a place where you can be vulnerable, um, where you can be free. And I do feel that a lot of people could benefit from that. Just at one place in the world where you can just be Mm -hmm. 100 percent honest, Mm -hmm. like that's sexy. What's the first step to recovering your own sense of desire? So I think of uncovering, it's like, oh, I've never looked into it before. But I think that recovering is actually more powerful because the truth is whether or not you've looked into like what is your sense of desirability or not, the world forces those messages down your throat of like what is desirable and who is desirable and what gets to be desirable. And so even if you've never invested the time, you probably already have a lot of implications around what desire is. So I love the idea of, of recovering that, you know, and of, of reclaiming that for yourself, because it's up to you to decide what turns you on. I think I'm going to say this, a lot of people may think this is not a, you know, it's a controversial hot take, but I think watching porn can really help. Um, let me put the caveat to say watching ethical porn, which is another word for saying feminist porn. And that is porn that is where the performers are paid fairly, where it's usually behind a paywall. There's sites like Balesa where it's pay as you can. You could pay a dollar a month if you wanted to. But um, exposing yourself to erotic material and seeing the various ways that people get off. One of the coolest things that um, studying sex for a living has allowed me to do is as a sexologist, you have to do this program that's called SAR, which stands for you know sexual ad reassessment. And essentially it's a 10 hour course or sometimes 40 hour course where you watch a lot of porn. And the purpose is that you're going to one, see how other people like to get off. Maybe one, so you can find what works for you, but more importantly, so that you can be more sex positive for other people. So now if Demi comes to me and you say like, oh, I really get off from, I don't know, like (laughs) cactuses um, or succulent plants really do it for me. I'm not going to be like, what? I'm like, oh, okay, I think I've kind of seen something similar or, you know, I can see myself in that. But when you expose yourself to more erotic materials, because the truth of the matter is a lot of us get our ideals around desire from the visuals that we see, but we have to be more intentional ourselves and sourcing out um, different types of visuals that might actually be more aligned with what we need to see to one, think of ourselves as desirable, but to decide what that looks like on the other end, you know, for somebody else. Yeah, I I love talking about, recovering because I feel like when we go back to what we were what you were saying is we're we're taught so much by the media. I think we are also taught to push down our sense of desire. And so when we recover it, we're 
it's not that we're learning what our our desire is for the first time. It's just that we're acknowledging that we're not going to push it down anymore. Well, we all have specific relationships to our body. How do you think this intersects with sexuality? And how does the Balesa wand do just that? I think it gives you less instruction and more fluidity within the experience, right? So a lot of sex toys, like they'll come and they're, you know, massive flesh colored dildos. It is so intimidating. It is very I big. I pulled that yeah. thing out and people have been like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> so that is what this is for. This cute little thing. <laughs> Yes, it is good because the, the wand actually is one of the first master. My, my parents had one and um, I, you know, there was a massager because it used to get sold. The reason why it was like so big, it was sold, sold as a shoulder massager. So if somebody found it, you could be like, oh, right. no, no, I just got a bad right. back. Um, you're like, no, you don't. You got a freaky kitty. That's what's going on. So I think that what's great about this is, yeah, it's like in, uh, I'm from Canada and I'm from Ontario specifically, Toronto more specifically, but our license plates, they say yours to discover. And that's what this gives me the vibes of like yours to discover. Like, yes, it's a sex toy. Yes, it's a demi wand. And um, yeah, it's being packaged a certain way and the colors being chosen for you and the box is being chosen for you. But what you do with it is totally up to you. And when you look at it, there is no like instruction like where this is supposed to go. Everyone probably has a different, if we asked everybody in the Zoom right now, where would you put this? Yep. They probably would have different answers. Um, and that's what's really cool, I think, about this wow. is that it's yours to discover. I love this. And I, I love that we've had this conversation because- I, th- I think that it's so important. I think what I wish that I could have learned when I was younger was that there's nothing to be ashamed of when it comes to masturbation. There's nothing to be ashamed of when it comes to sex. And there's nothing to be ashamed of when it comes to owning your sexuality. I will share something that I wasn't planning on sharing. Um, I had a negative sexual experience when I was a teenager. And because sex wasn't normalized in my house, I wasn't able to talk about it. And I kept it a secret for several years from people that really should have known. And I think that's where we have to start talking about sex because there's so many people that that have sexual trauma that feel like they can't come forward because sex isn't a conversation in their house. And so if someone is out there um, listening to this, just know that I once felt the same way and the way that we can end this stigma is by taking the taboo away from pleasure. Thank you. I love that. And thank you for sharing that. Um, I am inspired to share this with you because I watched a documentary last night and it was the best homework that someone's ever given me. And I have a baby, like I said. So when I turned on, I saw there was seven episodes. (laughs) Like, there's no way I'm finishing this. Girl, this shit flew by. And so at the end, I was like, that's it. Like, and I was watching like the South by Southwest interviews because I wanted more on it. It was just really phenomenal. Um, But the things that you experience, the trauma you experience, I am so sorry, you did not deserve that. And like you said, so many people, specifically so many women do uh, relate to the specific way that you know you have been violated and I relate as well. And I was talking to somebody recently who said this sentence to me that like has really opened up so much healing. And that is simply yeah. rape is not sex. And 
sexual assault is not sex. That act is yeah. so much closer to violence than it is to sex. So why do we even equate the two together? So when we can separate that and say, no, like sex is pleasurable. It's autonomous. It's something that I think about, you know, three weeks, three years later, like you still reflect on that. Yeah. And you're like, that shit was great. That's what sex is. The things that harm us, that hurt us, that damage us, that's not sex, that's violence. So I think when we can separate the two and create a space that really is uplifting pleasure and uplifting boundaries and consent and joy, and we make that what sex is, I feel like we just move a lot closer mm, to sexual that's wellness. so beautifully said. Thank you so much for sharing that. My last question that I ask everybody on my podcast is what does 4D look like to you? What is a 4D world in your opinion? Oh, I love the additional layer of vulnerability that you added in there. I just want to amplify that word because, you know, 4D is that fourth dimension that we don't often get to see that's always there. We know that somebody's truth, their pain, their triggers, their joy, their hopes, their dreams, like it's it's present in every single activity, but we don't really acknowledge it. So it is that thing that's omnipresent, but like usually put hush hush. So I, I, I love the fact that you're creating a space where you're like, no, I want that aspect too. Like, let's also bring that and let's share that. And obviously, you know, you do that better than arguably anybody else. So thank you for being 4D. So you had some questions about me starting this, the Demi Wand, and so I just wanted to bring on the CEO of Balesa. Her name is Michelle, and um, welcome, Michelle. Hi. Hi. Well, I just wanted to say thank you so much for joining us, and yeah, do you want to share a little bit about the wand, too? First of all, in terms of ambassadorships and someone who's willing to, you know, publicly um, attach their name and their brand to something as important as sexual wellness, there's no one, uh, you know, bigger or more powerful or just amazing that we would want to do this with other than Demi. So I started Balesa, it's, you know, six years ago now that I started working on this. Um, and the way that people have, you know, spoken about and treated and just looked at sexuality, especially for non men in the past uh, couple of years has just been like, the shift has been like monumental. And it's just so amazing to you know, be able to partner with someone who is willing to um, normalize and, you know, just bring pleasure to the forefront and just destigmatize sex and sexuality. You know, it's like years and years in the making. And for us to be able to, uh, you know, come loud and proud with someone like Demi is just, uh, it's groundbreaking and it's not just for the sex tech industry, it's for society at large and what that means for people and how they see sexuality. Um, you know, for so long, it's just been about men and like how they move through sexual encounters. Um, and so for us to, you know, bring bring attention to um, women, non-binary people, people with vulvas, it's, uh, it's everything and we're so excited. Well, I just want to say that I couldn't be more excited to partner with Balesa. I love everything that you're doing. I love you guys are taking the stigma out of sex toys because I more and more I see friends of mine posting with you guys' toys. And and it's just so it's so refreshing and it's so exciting to me that uh, that we're taking away the taboo. And so I just want to say thank you for thinking of me. I couldn't be more excited. And thank you for giving this opportunity to my fans as well. Thank you so much for coming on, Michelle. It's so good to see you. And and thank you 
so much, Shan. It was so great to talk to you. All right. I can't wait. I'm so excited, you guys. Me too. Thank you, guys. Thank you. All right. I hope you got something useful out of today. Go use the code 4DPOD for 10% off of your own wand. I wish you peace and pleasure. <laughs>